0: blog talk radio hi there I'm Mary Eileen Williams at Feisty Side of 50 Radio, and this show is a celebration of baby boomer women who are embracing life as we grow older. But lately, with many of us sheltering in place, embracing life can feel a little challenging. However, a great read can really help to chase away those quarantine blues, and that's where today's guest comes in. In fact, Judith Marshall has penned the perfect antidote to all those feelings of stress and boredom. Judith has been writing fiction For more than 15 years And her debut award winning novel Husbands may come and go But friends are forever Was optioned by a Hollywood producer But now Judith has followed up on that success With her latest book Staying afloat It's a goodie It's a story of a marriage and lust Set against the responsibility of family And in it Judith explores The key life question Can a woman ever really know her heart Until she Faces tragedy. Ooh, that's a goodie. <laughs> so I can't wait to find out more about this. Welcome, Judith.
1: Well, thank you, Eileen. I'm happy to be here. Well, let's begin by you giving
0: us an overview of the book. Uh, Again, that that question is awfully tantalizing. I really like you suggested it, and it really got me thinking. So tell us a little bit. I know you can't give too much away, but tell us a little bit about the story, uh, love, lust, tragedy, and all that good stuff. Okay.
1: Yeah, I won't give away a a lot of the story. But um, basically, uh, you meet Crystal Scott. She's a 43-year-old wife and mother, very devoted. You'll meet her husband, David, and her two children, and also Crystal's charismatic new millionaire employer. And uh, the story revolves around an everyday homemaker who really has a routine of carpools and cupcakes, and she's quite happy in that role until her husband actually loses his job and he doesn't show any sign of looking for another and it becomes a real issue. And the fault lines in their marriage begin to develop. Um, he just becomes a couch potato, kind of finding his favorite uh, pastime, watching judge Judy in the afternoon. And um, <laughs> Crystal is very concerned and um she has a very close sister, Brooke, and she goes to her sister and says, you know, I just, I just can't motivate him. I don't know what to do. We have mounting bills. We have, you know, all kinds of obligations, and he's just not acting like he's really going to do any kind of job search. And her sister, who is an organic farmer in Santa Rosa, and is a couple of years older, is just very pragmatic. And she says, well, go get a job. And Crystal's really taken aback and says, well, my Lord, I haven't worked since before the kids were born. What what in the world? And her sister says, well, but you did work, and you were a travel manager, and that hasn't changed. And I'm sure there are companies out there that need that kind of position. So, long story short, she begins a search and she finds a position in a high-tech company in Santa Rosa. So, it's quite local. She's not confident at all, but she goes for the interview and she ends up actually getting the job. And at the beginning, she's very out of place and very, um, oh, just lost is a good word. And then her millionaire, entrepreneurial um, business owner takes a real interest in her and is very impressed with how quickly she picks up on everything. And one thing leads to another. First, he gets her a company car, and then he sends her to meetings, uh, first class on airplanes. And one thing leads to another, and she becomes very sexually attracted to him. Meanwhile, back at home, nothing's happening, and David doesn't seem to really want to go back to accounting, which was his profession. And one night when she comes home, he tells her he's decided he wants to become a baker. Well, she just can't even imagine where that came from. But as home life kind of takes a second seat in the back, her new Job and the corporate life becomes very much um, the highlight of her life. And her boss also becomes much more interesting, and pretty soon um, the illicit affair starts. So it's really a story of how really an unassuming person who has a very comfortable life and family can be swept up by lust and kind of get carried away and lose her moral compass. And it's really more, um, I wanted to make sure that readers knew it's more than just a bored housewife's dalliance with her boss, you know. It's an exploration of how sex and love can cause a perfectly sane woman to just lose her moral compass. And it's also about the impossibility of escaping one's destiny. So that's kind of an overview. Oh,
0: my gosh, Judith. It, what a story. What a story. Now, I, your uh, previous book, Husbands May Come and Go, But Friends Are Forever, uh, that, of course, was a wonderful story, too. But that had a lot more mystery in it. So you've kind of made the switch to explore the more romantic side of life. And uh, what, what made you decide to go in that direction?
1: Yeah, it was a real challenge because, as you said, the first book was about female friendship. It's about a group of women who've been friends since high school and all the changes that they went through. Um, And the protagonist in that book had a long-term significant other. But it was really interesting. Readers had given me feedback that while they loved the story, uh, where was the sex? (laughs) And it's like, (laughs) oh, well... You know, sex doesn't have to be in everything. But uh, because she had a long-term relationship with a significant other, it seemed that it was the missing kind of element in that story. So I thought about it for a long time. And I am generally not a romance writer. And this book really isn't, um, it's hard to say. It's it's a romance, but it's more about a life-changing event. And, um and then I decided, you know, it'd be fun to really write some juicy sexies. And I'd never done that before. And I just got into it. And once I did, it just felt perfectly normal and honest. And in the affair that Crystal has with her boss, it's just a, a natural evolution of their relationship. And so it, I just. I fell into it, I guess I could say. I really didn't have a plan when I started writing to have it be a romance. But it also is kind of a, uh, let's just say, um, lust set against the responsibility of family. I mean, she's torn between this lustful relationship and the responsibility she has at home.
0: You know, another thing I wanted to say about this particular book and the focus uh, is, again, this show is primarily aimed at, at baby boomers, and so many of us women back then had a choice? Do we want to stay home? Do we want to go to work? Uh, in the earlier years, now I think younger right. women pretty much go straight—you know—from the altar to work, or they've been working all along, whatever. Yes. But so this is yes. this is a story I think so many of us can relate to. I don't know whether we you know had the lost part of it, but the uh, you know going back to work right. and some of the fears and some of the experiences. So I want to let our audience know that I think you can really get grabbed and get kind of. Blown away or taken, swept away is the word I'm trying to think of uh, by a story right. like this. So, I want to ask you though, uh, as you're delving into the, the sexual side of yourself, Judith. I mean, did you did you have like a, what was the writing process for you? Some people, you know, like kind of fall their characters speak to them and the story takes them. Did you work? Do you work from an outline? How, how what is the process like for you as an author?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, years ago, I have a very dear friend who um, writes legal thrillers, and we actually went to high school together. And he's become very well known as a, uh, a writer and an author. And so I said to him, you know, even before I wrote Husbands, I said, okay, I want to write a book, and I already know what it's going to be about. So what do I do? Do I go take classes? Do I join a writer's group? And he said, just sit down and write. And that's what I did. And quite honestly, I did the same thing with staying afloat. And um, for me, the characters take the story forward. It's really interesting to me. I will start writing thinking, okay, now Crystal's going to do this. And now, you know, she realizes how how wrong this is and she's going to stop the affair. Uh, You know, I'll have all of these ideas and then I sit down and Crystal does what Crystal wants to do. So, you know, I can't stop her. And sometimes I want to throttle her. I mean, I'm not kidding. After I've written something, I will, you know, get up talking to myself saying, why in the world are you doing this? You have two beautiful children. You know, this is temporary. Your husband will find another job. I mean, I'm talking to myself. But she is determined. And she's going to follow this thing through. So my process is to just let it rip. If she wants to go where she's going, that's fine. And in the end, there will be time for editing and rethinking. And if anything changes, it can be done then.
0: Wow. Well. You know, it sounds like you, you really get engaged in your writing, and then, too, when the characters or the stories kind of leading you, you just are kind of typing what you're channeling. But, right. But there has to be, yes, yeah, some difficult aspects to writing. Is the hardest part maybe turning on the computer, or what do you find to be the, the more challenging aspects of writing?
1: I think the hardest part for me is leaving things out that I love. In other words, Mm. even words that I love or scenes that I think are fabulous. And then I did have the book professionally edited. And I remember when the editor would send me notes and say, oh, well, this scene doesn't do anything to move the story forward. And, you know, I would just be devastated. It's like, that's my favorite scene. What are you talking about? And um, so that's the hardest part for me is – putting things in and having to take them out. And I started years ago a Word document called Leftovers. And any word or phrase or anything that I truly adore, I put in the Leftovers. And it's now about, I don't know, 50 pages long. And every once in a while I go back and look at it. If I'm stuck writing something, I'll go back and say, gee, I remember Something I remember a sentence that I really liked that would fit in here. And I pull it out of leftovers. So I never throw anything away, even if it's taken out of the actual manuscript. I save it.
0: Wow, Judith. Well... I, uh, again, and I hope you don't mind, we're going to go over time a little bit because it's so interesting to speak with you and and find out a little bit more about the process because I think in addition to, again, being the perfect audience for your book, a lot of boomer women, I don't know, there's some, we're at an age where we're we're reflecting on our lives and whether it's a memoir or we want to write fiction like you do or there's, but self-expression is becoming more important to us. So do you have any advice for aspiring writers?
1: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And, and also, you know, our demographics have changed. Um, I mean, if you think back to what your mother was like at your age, I mean, we're nothing like our mothers. And women are much more a part of everyday life, in the workplace, at home. And women are much more, how shall I say this, uh, powerful in taking on their own lives. And even though for decades, as we know, for centuries, men have always cheated. I mean, it's been just part of the marriage relationship. But it's only been the last decade or so that women have started to cheat as openly as they do. There are a lot of surveys written, and I read up on it before I started my book. Uh, Of course, a lot of women would never admit that they had an affair, But in some of the survey data, they say up to, excuse me, 20 to 25% of women in marriages, especially after age 40, have admitted to having an illicit affair. So Mm. because there are more women in the workplace, you know, there's just more opportunity. You're not home with carpools and cupcakes. You're out there. And um, it's just become more, uh, I shouldn't say popular, but... um, Just happening more because of the opportunity and women being out and around other people much more than they ever were a generation ago. Well, that is absolutely true. Uh, but
0: even people who are thinking about writing or, you know, again, in your experience, you know how difficult it can be. It's not just writing the book. It's getting it out there. And uh, you wrote a book. Your first book was written, I'm guessing, because I know you, uh, what, six, seven, eight years ago, something like that, or even longer. Ben. But absolutely. I imagine yes. oh, really. Okay. So marketing it must have been you know, have, have changed uh, the whole part of marketing. What are some of the tips that you uh, have discovered or found out or advice you'd like to give maybe uh, aspiring writers as far as marketing or from your own experience?
1: Yeah, well, as far as just writing, you know, everybody says, oh, I've always wanted to write a book. I belong to the California Writers Club, and um, the branch we have is the Mount Diablo branch, in Northern California. And um, that's been very helpful. And I would suggest any aspiring writer, you know, try to find a local writing group, uh, maybe a critique group, maybe just a group of writers that you could sit in and just listen for the first few meetings of how other people write. Some people outline, some people do what I do and just sit down and write. And as for marketing, you're right, it's much different today. But quite honestly, it's much easier. Ten years ago, you know, the Internet was not nearly as prolific and there weren't nearly as many opportunities to share your work. Now, with all the social media, Facebook, Instagram, all of those things, you, you really have a, an audience out there that, I mean, there's – people asking, what should I read? Um, All kinds of websites, but it can be a full-time job. You have to really, you know, be careful and not get swept into the world of social media. Uh, Years ago, they used to say you should spend as much time marketing as you did writing the book, and you can get caught up in that and do that. And how much of social media marketing actually turns to sales? Um, Not much. It's more publicity, if you will, getting your name out there, getting people to read your blog and interact with you. So I think you have to be technologically astute. You have to know about the opportunities, but I think you have to measure that against your time. How much time are you willing to spend? You can always spend money on boosting ads on Facebook and LinkedIn and other places, but you know, keeping track of what you're doing is very important. Keeping an, a notebook every time you join a group or write a post or whatever, so that later you can see where you're getting the most results and, um, you know, kind of focus in that area. But yes, marketing is. You know, there are so many books out there, as we know. Amazon sells more books than all the brick-and-mortar bookstores put together. And there are a lot of choices. So you have to find a way to make your book stand out from all the others.
0: Well, I have a way to make your book stand out from all the others. Judith, you have been so great about sharing these wonderful tips. But let's get back to your book, uh, Staying Afloat, and where people can go to find out more about you, your work, and, of course, get copies of both your books because I I know they're both wonderful. So tell us about uh, where we can go to find out more about you, Judith.
1: Okay. Um, Well, I do have a website. Um, it's uh, they no longer use www, which was something was new to me. Um, but the website is simply https: colon slash slash dot net. So it's very and easy would you spell uh,
0: Marshall? Because I know it's spelled a couple different ways or right. at least I you know,
1: so. Yes, Marshall is M A R S H A L L dot net. And, oh wonderful! Um, I just I just had my website updated because I had to add had to add a page for the new book, so um, it just got up and running last week. So I haven't done any recent blog posts, but it does tell you the history of my writing and it talks about uh, various tips and so forth. So that's where you find out about me. But the book is on Amazon. In both print and as an e book. Uh, The print book is $12.99 and the e book is $3.99. So they're both reasonably priced. And, um, you know, during this time, it's just nice to take your mind off of some of the negative things that are in our face every day on the press, in the press, and on TV, and, you know, get your head somewhere else and fantasize. And this is really. A lot about fantasizing in staying afloat. You know, many women have fantasized about having an affair, and this would give them a way to do it with actually not having to do that. <laughs> there you go, more bang for your buck, right, Judith? That's right. <laughs> way well, to have I love your own that. Affair.
0: <laughs> well Judith uh, and I totally agree, and again, I think this book is especially for the audience listening to this show, especially relevant to our past, our you know maybe our present, our future, but we can, we can really relate to uh, what you're you're writing about uh, some of the issues uh, that go on and and I think it's just uh, anyway i I hope I truly encourage everybody out there, please check out not only Judith's website but her book and, and her latest book especially staying afloat so judith thank you this has been such a fun time thank you for all your sharing your creativity and the writing tips and all that those great perspectives that we women out there can can maybe create our own fantasy uh, maybe we'll even write about it
1: that would be great that would be great and i appreciate the opportunity thank you so much Well, thanks again, and don't
0: forget, all you women out there, while you're at it, don't forget to go out there and show the world just how feisty a woman over 50 can be. This is Mary Eileen Williams at Feisty Side of 50 Radio. See you, and I'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Uh Aha, in my dentist's office.